Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 178, International Trailblazer. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts, all to let you know the coolest information about what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. More than 20 years ago, on November 2nd, 2000, a crew of three spacefarers arrived at the International Space Station with the mission to bring the new orbital complex to life. We call these missions expeditions, and the International Space Station crew was Expedition 1. The trio was NASA's William Shepard, commander of Expedition 1, and Russian cosmonauts Sergei Krikalev and Yuri Gudzenko, both seasoned veterans of long-duration missions aboard the Russian space station Mir that was in orbit at the time. These three spent 136 days aboard the space station and set the course for what would be an unbroken streak of human presence in space. We often like to tout that if you're, I guess at this point, younger than 20, you've never lived in a world where there haven't been humans in space at any given point in your life. So we had a chance to chat with Bill Shepard, the commander of Expedition 1, about what it took to get to this point last year around the date of the anniversary. On this episode, we're bringing in a different perspective from Sergei Krikalev, a decorated cosmonaut who was instrumental in U.S. and Russian cooperation. He paved the path for cooperative space shuttle missions, and he was on both the first crewed visit and the first long-term expedition aboard the International Space Station itself. So let's learn more about how this international trailblazer helped to kick off 20 years of continuous human habitation on the space station. Here's Sergei Krikalev. Enjoy. Sergey Krikalev, thanks so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast after reaching 20 years of continuous human presence. Thank you. It's a good program and good moment. I still I remember every moment of our uh, preparation and uh, flight on Expedition 1. That's right. Well, let's start there, Sergey. We've made it. 20 continuous years since you've entered the International Space Station. What are your first thoughts before we begin here? Your first thoughts of reaching this milestone? Um, actually, maybe I, I will correct you a little bit because a uh, small base of the station, we entered uh, almost two years uh, before. In uh, 1998, uh, the first two elements of the station were docked together, and I was lucky to be on uh, shuttle flight STS-88 to be part of this uh, mission. When we docked first two elements of the station, we opened hatches, and we did first maintenance of the station. So actually, for me, first uh, hatch opening was together with uh, Bob Cabana, commander of uh, STS-88, and we together entered uh, to Node first and then to FGB uh, to start operation on the station. And my first thought was that the uh, station is really small. It's just very beginning. We just assembled first two elements of the station. But uh, at that time, I was already assigned as a crew member of Expedition 1. And I know that uh, we uh, visited this station. We worked at this station for a relatively short period of time. On shuttle, but I knew that next step would be long duration flight uh, on this station uh, sometime later. So at the end of 
year 2000, uh, we flew as Expedition 1 docked with the service module and started to operate on the station. Uh, and first, first um, emotion was that station is empty because uh, I used to fly on this station and with time, station uh, is filled with equipment, with uh, spare gear, with uh, uh, air ducts, uh, everything. So station became kind of busy place. But when we came to the station, everything was empty. We had several bags stored there, and the even table was not there. So we switched on lights, and I remember my, myself thinking that for the first time, we're switching lights, and probably now this light would be on for a long, long period of time. So you did understand, then, the gravity of what you were accomplishing for Expedition 1. You already mentioned that this was not the first time that you opened up the hatches to the International Space Station. You were there before on STS-88, entering at the same time as Bob Cabana. But understanding the gravity of what you were doing on Expedition 1, essentially setting the stage for continuous human presence. At the time, did it strike you that you would essentially be turning on the lights for welcoming the crews for the next, I guess, uh, right now? Now, 64 long-duration expeditions. Now, we never even thought uh, even how expedition is going to be counted because uh, there was periods of time when one flight uh, had two expeditions in, in one mission because there was kind of overlapping one expedition over another. But um, uh, I remember myself uh, that actually every uh, space flight is a very exciting moment and a very... Uh, important moment of uh, your life, of a space program, because um, every flight is a uh, significant event. Uh, but after having uh, this experience of joint missions, missions uh, joint missions on Mir with our international partners, uh, joint mission on Shuttle, when I was um, participant of, of these missions, mission specialist on these missions, uh, I knew that we are going to start something very exciting because uh, we had very good team who uh, build the station, who prepare the station for flight, who prepare uh, cosmonauts and astronauts uh, for flying on the station. Uh, so we knew that it's the beginning of uh, some very exciting program. You mentioned there was already a little groundwork here. You yourself were part of the first steps of this cooperation, what would lead up to the cooperation on the International Space Station, but you did spend a significant amount of time on Mir, and you did mention some of your time on the space shuttle. First, talk about some of your time on Mir. You already mentioned that the International Space Station seemed a bit empty compared to Mir. Actually, my, my first entry of the station, uh, Mir station, was during Expedition 4 on Mir. And at that time, uh, record-setting uh, expedition, Expedition 3, uh, was flying on station, and they were supposed to stay on the station for a year. Uh, actually, 366 days, leap year. So, uh, crew of Expedition 3 was leaving there, and we arrived as international expedition, actually. We came with uh, French cosmonaut Jean-Luc Etienne, and we entered uh, the station, and I remember opposite feeling, how big is the station, with bags, with spare parts, with food, with clothing. So when we opened the hatch, it was difficult to actually crawl through all this stuff to get to main module of, of the station at that time. And the station was very small. It was also only uh, 
built from uh, two modules at that time. So that was my uh, first expedition. It was very interesting, very exciting, and my first experience of uh, international cooperation in space. Uh, but second flight was uh, even more exciting because we also started as international uh, expedition flight with uh, British cosmonaut Helen Sharman. We supposed to do several EVA and build um, pretty big structure outside of the station. So it was um, a really exciting program for um, for us as a as a cosmonaut. Uh, and we're supposed to finish uh, this mission at the end of the year uh, 1991 um, uh, as Expedition 9 uh, on the station. But in the mid middle of the flight, decisions were made uh, for me, my partners to return back home. But uh, I stayed another mission on uh, near station. So I flew two expeditions in one flight, Expedition 9 and Expedition 10, and returned back uh, almost 11 months after uh, launch in the spring of uh, 1991. That's right. You were in space for a long time, well over 300 days, 311, I think, was the count on that mission. What did you learn about what it takes to live and work in space for that long? Uh, actually, uh, the flight was long, so we learned a lot of things. And for me, it was second flight. Uh, so I found that uh, attitude uh, for second flight is a little different than first one, because when you fly first time, you usually fly with uh, more experienced uh, crew member. Uh, but when you fly second time, usually you have unexperienced crew member with you and you have more responsibility on orbit. And that's extra load uh, what we have on experienced crew member. That's the first uh, part. Uh, the second part uh, that when I arrived to the station, station had two more modules docked to the station in compare with my first flight. And I found myself actually on learning curve again. So we need to we learn everything on uh, on the ground, but still we continue this learning process um, during flight. And for my second flight, I had to kind of relearn some things um, because we have new hardware, new equipment, new setup. And it was interesting for me to compare how I uh, learn new things for me and how my partners learn everything from scratch, basically, because for Anatoly Arsubarsky, for him, it was first flight. Uh, we learned that um, with, with experience, you get uh, more efficient, uh, but uh, again, every time you fly, you have new tasks and new challenges, and you uh, do uh, something new for you anyway. And for us, it was very interesting set of EVAs uh, on that flight. On Expedition 9, we had um, six EVAs done in one flight. And actually, in the uh, second expedition, I did another EVA. So for that time, it was seven EVAs in one flight, and it was uh, really challenging and really interesting. Uh, so we, we did uh, a lot of interesting ex experiments, and usually, uh, sooner or later, you face some problem, and you realize that with some experience, you can uh, you can uh, troubleshoot the problems uh, during flight, and uh, you, uh, you you can do a lot of things uh, yourself. Because in the beginning, you rely more on your partner, you rely on the ground, but with experience, you you became more and more self-sustainable. I would say, so you you're able to 
face the problem and solve the problem, uh, even if nobody can stop you. So for me, it was interesting experience. And, and also say, uh, talking about uh, changing mindset, I would say really uh, like in sport, I, uh, very often, for me at least, it, it reminds me uh, how if a sportsman is, I don't know, running five miles. And, uh, of course, when you run, you, you try to do your best and you uh, spend as uh, much uh, efforts uh, as possible to be able to, to do as, as much as possible, but to be able to finish uh, this distance. So, basically, what, what I learned from uh, my coach in, in sport that you should come to the final line with no extra strength. So you can you should spend all your uh, capabilities uh, during during the meal. So about the same approach I used uh, for the flight. But when you realize that your distance is much longer, you have to change uh, mindset and actually pace for for your activity in a such way to be able to finish longer distance. And it was really a change in mindset. Now, these are some critical lessons that even cosmonauts and astronauts could today can learn from as we're doing these continuing expeditions on the space station, these 160-day, 200-day, sometimes more than 300-day missions on the International Space Station. You had that experience even before Expedition 1. Were you sharing some of these lessons, such as, as you said, stretching out your energy? Were you sharing these lessons with your Expedition 1 crewmates? Of course. And, and actually, uh, I already mentioned this, uh, that usually we combine uh, the two in a such way that we have a mixture of uh, experienced and not experienced crew members. For Expedition 1, knowing that this mission is going to be critical, we had a lot of things uh, that need to be done and need to be done on time and need to be done even if we have some malfunction and failure. Uh, uh, that's why all our crew, Expedition 1, uh, was uh, uh, only from uh, already flown crew members. Fred flew several times on shuttle. His total flight time was maybe not so long, but he has uh, good experience. He had good experience of uh, uh, flying to space and solving the problem. Yuri Gizenka had long duration flight behind him. I had uh, actually two long duration flights and two third-duration flights on shuttle. So uh, our crew was very experienced, and the reason why we we get together uh, for for this mission was because all of us had uh, enough experience. And, of course, we share this experience with each other. Now, one experience on your end that I think is fascinating, you already mentioned your short-duration missions on shuttle. Right. It was, at least for STS-60, a first, a cosmonaut on a shuttle mission. And STS-88, this is the one where you actually visited the International Space Station. Actually assembled. A- and assembled, that's right. Start to assemble the station, not only visit. So your impressions working with Americans and setting the stage for what would be continuing cooperation? Um, actually, it was very interesting experience for me because, uh, as you already know, I had the experience of Expedition 4, 9, and 10 on new stations. So I knew everything, how it's uh, done in our program, how we fly on Soyuz, how we operate on the station, how we do scientific experiments. 
And also we had even some experience of uh, doing international partnership because uh, all flights on Mir were already uh, was already international. But difference was that uh, on Mir and on Soyuz we were hosts of the program and we had guests uh, on the station from other countries. Uh, when I came for shuttle, everything was uh, opposite. I was guest on the system, and of course my American colleagues knew. Something is much deeper than I can learn in a short period of time. But uh, for me, what was interesting that uh, when we had uh, our international guests uh, on the station, uh, we were professionals in our area, and they were not professional. But in this case, I deal with uh, professionals who were in their own environment, and it was very interesting for me to see how training system uh, done, how uh, system integration done, how... Uh, troubleshooting of malfunction is done in American program and in our programs. And actually, we discussed it a lot with um, our partners because I was very pleased to see very professional and very motivated people. And we actually, during our training, we actually even um, mentioned it after training and after flight that uh, we start to understand each other uh, much earlier than we uh, improve our language. I mean, English language on my side, or maybe Russian language when Americans start to fly on our vehicle, because as a professional, we start to understand each other, as we said, sometimes better than some of our specialists, because we, we actually uh, we did the same activity, and we came in about the same way in the program, because Many people were professional, already professionals uh, in their area before they came to uh, astronaut office. And they were professional pilots, professional engineers, professional scientists. And I was very pleased to work in this professional uh, group of people. And you continued to work with a diverse group of international crews as you did uh, International Space Station Expeditions, of course, Expedition 1, which which the anniversary of which we just celebrated, and um, Expedition 11, where you were commander of the International Space Station. Can you talk about the differences between those two expeditions, elaborating more on Expedition 1, uh, some of your mission objectives? Uh, the, the main mission object, uh, objective for, for the station was to make station alive. Because when we came to the station, uh, most of the system were <clears throat> in off mode, and we need to activate them. Some system we need to assemble, and some system was very critical to assemble because, like, some uh, life support systems uh, needed to be activated in a couple weeks, and if something happened, something goes wrong, and something we, we wouldn't be able to handle, and we wouldn't be able to activate the system. Uh, some of the uh, scenarios was to terminate the mission and return back home. So probably that's why um, our expedition was uh, assembled from uh, very experienced people already flown in space and uh, being able to troubleshoot uh, problems if we face this problem. And uh, for us, what was very interesting, and it was interesting not only for us, uh, it was very interesting even for engineers, because usually if we do some different parts of the station, for example, uh, on our side, we usually make them on the ground before flight. We uh, usually check uh, everything before we send it to space uh, to be sure that things uh, would work properly in space. But 
about <coughs> for expedition one and actually even for uh, mission STS-88. Some parts of the system never saw each other uh, on the ground. So we did some connection only using engineering drawing or engineering experience, uh, but really some pieces were not really made it on the ground before we made it in space. So, and actually not everything was smooth. Uh, sometimes, I remember we, we were trying to connect one connector and for some reason <coughs> there was a mistake in assembly and we had to, to uh, invent which way we still uh, provide this connection. Uh, I remember uh, even on Russian side we had also some problems with uh, opening hatches because Access with the um, key for opening the hatch was um, built with mistake, and we need to uh, invent our own way how to still perform the task we need to perform. So uh, I remember we had a malfunction on uh, arriving vehicle, cargo vehicle that was uh, coming to the station and was not able to talk with us in automatic mode. So Yuri Gizenka and I were, uh, needed to uh, do this approach and docking manually. And uh, still things were not very smooth, so we had to actually use a not nominal way to, to dock uh, a coming vehicle to the station. So we had a lot of... Um, very interesting and very challenging things. And what was interesting, what I remember from this mission, it was very interesting to see how, for example, new modules during our mission, we actually didn't fly all flights uh, ourselves. We started flying uh, on a station with only three modules, and actually only two of uh, these modules were available uh, for us in the very beginning. But then next shuttle will come and bring extra solar array, and we... Um, uh, we were able to provide power to, to the node and open the hatch to the node because uh, before that uh, the thermal uh, conditions on in the node were not be able to maintain. So we needed to wait shuttle before to open hatch to another node. And then I remember uh, that another shuttle come with uh, uh, space lab with. Uh, Extra modules, uh, flight called 5A in our sequence, um, but uh, the lab came with this flight uh, and crew. We were very happy to see uh, crew uh, arriving to us and helping to uh, to assemble and uh, make all necessary connections with the lab. And lab was really empty. So we start to outfit lab to make uh, it really lab and make it alive. So the first, the first expedition was challenging and it was interesting and I, I'm very happy that in spite of all problems that we had basically every day, we still were able to reach the goal and make station alive, what was basically prime goal for our expedition. What an important way to kick off the International Space Station. I know you visited again for Expedition 11 in 2005. At the end of that expedition, you had accumulated more than 800 days in space. Here we are, 15 years later, and you're still third on the all-time record of time in space behind uh, Gennady Padalka and Yuri Malenchenko. Your thoughts on spending so much time in space and setting a record that still stands today? 
a few words about Expedition 11. Unfortunately, Expedition 11 was also not very nominal flight. Like, Expedition 1 was unusual because it was first and we need to do everything for the first time. Uh, but uh, then in 2003, after uh, crash of Tuttle, uh, we reduced number of the crew on the station from three to two people, and it was uh, very challenging also because for uh, for relatively big stations, there's a lot of tasks we need to do every day. We have we had only crew of two, and several expeditions flew with uh, reduced crew to. Uh, to continue uh, science, to continue uh, life support on the station. And maybe another interesting part of this mission is that for more than two years, uh, Saddle didn't fly to the station, but Expedition 11 was the expedition when uh, first Saddle after tragedy came to the station, and we were very glad to see our colleagues uh, on the station again. And station... Uh, after that flight station start to continue um, assembly and outfitting uh, for making the station in the final configuration. Um, so uh, if, if you talk about records, I remember I was, uh, the record itself is not a goal for, for the flight. I, before the flight, I mentioned that if everything goes nominal and every time you don't sure that uh, everything would be nominal. But if everything would be nominal, I'd probably you know, exceed the longest or oh, total time duration for uh, previous uh, record-setting cosmonaut. It was uh, Sergei Avdeev who flew uh, 747 days, and I knew that I, I would be somewhere around 800, so probably I will break, uh, break this record. Uh, but uh, when Mission Control told me that, oh, today you uh, exceeding the previous record uh, for total time in space, I remember we were joking, saying, well, it's very convenient record because uh, today I uh, broke uh, Sergei Adiev's record, but tomorrow I, I will break my own today record, and it will be until the end of the flight. So it was kind of interesting. Joke that every day was record-setting day, but as I said, the record itself was not the goal. It was kind of side effect of the this mission. Uh, but what was interesting that with this uh, my sixth flight, um, it's very interesting to see what changed on the ground because uh, from my third flight to sixth flight, uh, I was able to see some change on the ground. See how some area. Uh, start to be more lit on space. We have uh, some places uh, more developed from agricultural point of view. We saw that uh, we obviously see some changes on the ground connected sometimes with uh, nature, sometimes with uh, human activities. But um, another maybe interesting point that we are gaining uh, Experience, and we knew that this uh, experience of spaceflight we will need sometime in the future. Maybe not even tomorrow. Maybe sometimes after tomorrow when we are going to fly outside uh, low Earth orbit, and we will need uh, all our experience gained in all these 60 plus and maybe 70 plus expedition on ISS with uh, experience 
of shuttle flying, Apollo missions, uh, Skylab missions, uh, all this experience we will need for future flight outside uh, low Earth orbit when we are going to fly to moon and set out. That's very important, Sergey. And I want to end with this. Given your experience and everything done for the International Space Station for what stands as 20 years of continuous human presence and cooperation, some final words of wisdom for those coming on to work uh, for the future of Roscosmos, uh, for NASA, and for space agencies around the world. Uh, maybe just thought, and actually for me it was a little bit up, um, upset moment when my manager said, well, uh, let new guys fly a little bit, help, help them with uh, preparation for the flight, help engineers to build new vehicles. So, uh, and I still not close to the issue of uh, possible future space flights, but uh, after my sixth flight, I was uh, working at Energia. I was uh, working as a head of uh, training center, helping uh, not only Russians, but uh, also our international partners and get ready for for space flight. So I think it's very important that uh, previous uh, generation, or maybe uh, people who already have experience in flight, uh, continue uh, transferring this ex- uh, experience for future, uh, future expeditions, future programs, future hardware developing. And uh, that's the first part. And second part, what we learned from uh, from what I learned from uh, previous missions, that uh, much more efficient and actually much more interesting uh, to to do things together because uh, sometimes you know how to do things, but uh, your partner can have alternate thought, and sometimes you can learn something from your friend. And uh, the more diversity we have uh, in our team, uh, the more new capabilities you can have. So I think uh, it's very important that uh, we we learn how to do complicated things together, and I think we can use this experience for future programs. Mr. Kriklev, wonderful words, and thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me. Here we are crossing this great milestone, 20 years of continuous human presence on the International Space Station. It's been an honor to speak with you today. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sergei Krikalev and learned a lot about what it took to get to that point of uh, starting Expedition 1 and uh, kicking off what would be 20 continuous uh, years of human presence. We're not done yet. We're still going to be putting out more episodes on the 20th anniversary because, honestly, it kicks off a lot of the activities aboard the International Space Station. In fact, we got a uh, collection of panels that we hosted for the 20th anniversary coming up. We'll kick that off uh, next month. So visit our uh, International Space Station collection. You can just uh, search on whatever browser you you uh, you 
prefer. Just search Houston We Have a Podcast, Space Station Episodes. Uh, there's a collection there, and uh, and you can go to listen to any of those episodes in no particular order and stay tuned for some of those panels. So it took a lot to get this episode out uh, here in 2021 in January. Uh, this episode, actually, we record, we had some issues with the audio itself and had to restore the audio. It took some time. We actually recorded this back in August of 2020, uh, trying to set it up for the 20th anniversary, but it took some time. So I want to say, uh, say a big thanks to all the all the folks here, uh, to, to Greg Wiseman and Pat Ryan and to uh, John Stoll, Alex Perryman, and a lot of the folks that helped uh, to uh, make this episode still a reality, even though uh, we had to restore it. it. It took a lot of effort, and uh, and here we are putting it out now in, in 2021, and we're, we're still uh, keeping the conversation going about 20 continuous years, so, so I'm glad we got to bring this to you today. Uh, you can check out this podcast and others at nasa.gov slash podcasts, and you can engage with us on social media. You know where we are, the Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can use the hashtag AskNASA on any of those platforms to submit an idea for the show and just make sure to mention uh, it's for us at Houston We Have a Podcast. This episode was recorded on August 20th, 2020. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Nora Moran, uh, Jennifer Hernandez, Belinda Polito, Greg Wiseman, and uh, Oleg Bulashev and Roscosmos for their support. And thanks again to Sergey Krikalev for taking the time to come on the show. We'll be back next week. <laughs>